You are now listening to the Talk Sheffield podcast bringing you exclusive news and interviews every week from across Sheffield and South Yorkshire. Talk Sheffield where everything matters. Hello, everybody. Um, welcome to another episode of Talk Sheffield. I'm your host, Ahmed Jama, mm-hmm. and we've got our usual ho- co hosts, Yaya Hassan. Nice to meet you. What's up? And Taha as well. Yes, sir. Today, hopefully, we'll be going to the depth of education and we'll be discussing uh, uh, yeah, uh, the whole topic of how the education operates within the uh, within this country. We've got a special uh, guest today with us, uh, Mahmoud Hassan, who's a young yeah. trainee science teacher mm-hmm. at Firth Park Academy. Um, he'll hopefully give us a... Uh, uh, he'll introduce us how the uh, teaching, teaching profession sort of is improving or not improving within this country. Hopefully yeah. show us advantages of disadvantages of becoming a teacher, mm-hmm. as well as uh, hopefully being that person who... Um, improvises in, in terms of uh, uh, improving the uh, mm. young education for, uh, for the education of young people. Mm. So welcome, uh, Mahmoud Hassan. Thank you for having me. And Mahmoud is somebody who was born in the uh, Netherlands, is mm-hmm. it? And um, came to Sheffield not too long ago. Um, so we're just going to be discussing with him his time living in, in the Netherlands uh, and then coming to Sheffield and kind of talking about the, um, growing up in Holland compared to growing up in Sheffield. So hopefully, yeah. um, Mahmoud can tell us more about that. And also, he, uh, yeah, I mean, not many Somali young Somalis do go into the uh, mm. teaching profession. Yeah. Um, so uh, maybe has- Mahmoud Hassan will uh, sort of show <laughs> the young people the right road to yeah. sort of go into. Yeah. Um, and uh, hopefully, this will be the beginning of something special. Definitely. All right, so Mahmoud, how much time do you spend in the Netherlands before you migrated to Sheffield? And how does it compare to life in the UK? Mm. Um, I, I lived in Holland for 15 years. Wow. Before I, Yeah, so 15 years before I moved over to England. Um, in terms of there being any differences, mm. obviously the art, different country. Holland is much cleaner than England is yes, in, that, in that respect. The... The educational system over there is completely different. Mm. So primary school goes up to year eight, yeah. and then you've got your secondary school straight after that, as opposed to England, where it's up to year six. Yeah. When did you, uh, what year did you finish education there? Was it year seven, year eight? It was you year, ten. year 10. Year 10, end of year 10, okay. when I came here to England. And the transition was extremely difficult, but mm. I believe in the long run, in terms of education, England gives you more options. Yeah. They give you more chances. Mm. So when in Holland, when you're in year eight, you have to set a test. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember and, that. Yeah. yeah, and that test sets you up for the rest of your life. Wow. And if you fill that test, then it's highly likely that you won't get the chance to go to university and do what you want to do. Mm. Is, that, is that equivalent to the SATs in, in this country? Or? It is, but a little bit more in-depth. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it really is to weed out those that they believe can do well and those Academic, that can't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Now, the one thing that they don't... Um, bear in mind is that you have late bloomers. Yeah. Some kids become better in time, but mm. they expect kids to be ready mm. in year eight. Mm. When well and truly, that's not always the case. Yeah. It, it, the German model is a bit worse, where they like um, 
like they shoe you in if you're more academically better mm. and if you're more practical with your hands they make sure you go into technical colleges like that yeah mm-hmm. but i think that's what that's what holland was trying to do but yeah mm. it's more technical that's why you don't get many graduates in germany um a lot of people because they, they'll see you into different two different directions yeah either the uh, practical academic side or the academic yeah. side the practical is doing well though because they've got a lot of engineering of yeah yeah manufacturers H- the that's what the, that's the concrete that sort yeah. of uh, profession actually yeah yeah what, what year did you move to the UK from the Netherlands? That was 2005. Ah, okay. Okay. Yeah. You know when your parents told you that, oh, um, we're moving to Sheffield, uh, were you excited about it? Did you, did you see it as an opportunity to progress uh, in life or were you, were you settled in Holland? Were you, you know, how did you feel about that? Now, I was 15, mm. right? So you have to remember that for a kid, change never, it's never, it's good. It's yeah. never a good thing, not in their minds anyway. Definitely. Now, I was in a top top school mm. called Erasmian's Gymnasium in Rotterdam okay. and I, be- I believe it was a top three school in the entire country mm. and I had all my friends I was settled and my mom never told me up until two weeks before we actually left so my mom had been scheming for months yeah. to leave <laughs> and then she just turned around and said Mahmoud we're leaving in two weeks we're going to going to England so it was difficult for me to break it to them uh, it, it was a tough time. It was a difficult time. You have to bear in mind that when I f- actually first came into England, mm. I hadn't been in education for six months. Oh. So mm. I didn't. I had no no school, no nothing. Mm. I didn't know the language very well. Yeah. Um, so it, it was difficult. I hated it, and obviously mm. because I'm the oldest in my house, I didn't really have the option to say I'm staying here in yeah. Holland. Yeah. Now my grandma lives there, but if. For example, if my younger siblings had said, no, I want to stay, it would have been okay. But because I was the oldest, mm-hmm. it was more a case of, no, you are that's an example. Like, yeah. you are coming with us. So, you know, like, the curriculum in, in Holland, obviously coming to Sheffield, um, was it a completely different curriculum? Was it the kind of same oh. topics? or the, the topics are quite similar, but mm-hmm. it's, it's much more difficult in Holland. And I believe the way that the school was, is set up in Holland, it's, mm-hmm. it's catered better for further education. Mm. While in, while, yeah, so. You remember, you remember when you were little, when, when, they, when they used to tell you, here's the task, go do it, instead of like teaching you, teacher standing in front of the class and mm-hmm. telling you what to do. They used to give you a chapter, read that, and, and give you a list of answers. Exactly. That's, they did that to prepare you for university, because remember university, they just give you um, questions, mm-hmm. you, you have to go out. Mm-hmm. So they just start you off early, like really? really early. Very, very wow. early. Yeah. And like while, seven years old. Yeah. While, while here in England, you had people spoon feeding you a lot yeah. yeah yeah so i found i found when i came here people spoon feeding me a lot but and in holland it's different but the thing is they start that culture early mm-hmm. so as you grow up it just gets easier at the end of the day it's a skill yeah it's a skill mm-hmm. that you pick up yeah. and once you don't know anything else you get used to it mm-hmm. so even those students that were very low attaining could still do a lot of the things that high attaining students here in england can't mm-hmm. because they don't know any different mm-hmm. yeah so you, you get kids that go into and especially in sciences that go mm-hmm. to college Mm-hmm. and won't be able to set up their own experiments. Mm-hmm. Uh, Only because when they were in school, mm-hmm. their teachers yeah. did everything for them and they didn't have, really have to do that much. Mm. Yeah, do you know when you've moved over, obviously, to, to the to UK, that, that transition from going to a normal Dutch school to an English-speaking school, did you find any trouble in terms of the language barrier? Oh. One thing I've noticed, which is really good, a lot, mm. a lot of the uh, immigrants from mm. Holland can speak very fluent English. Yeah, yeah. That, that's because early on, they, they, remember they, they have languages like I, yeah. like I knew Arabic for like a year, but then I forgot about it. Mm-hmm. But, but they teach you like German, they teach you definitely English, mm-hmm. and they start off like early set six, when you're like six, seven, eight. I, I don't know if they still do it, but that, uh, they, they used to teach us French at eight years old. So. Wow. 
Yeah, so I I never no, got that. Yeah, no, 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 no I never got that. My my English was never good anyway. Mm-hmm. When um, just before I came from Holland, mm. and I can remember that the last English lesson, I I couldn't say trousers, <laughs> and all the whole class was laughing at me because they 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 knew that I was going. And the point was, is you can't even say trousers. You're going all the way over to England, and you're gonna have to speak proper English. Yeah. But the in terms of the transition now. It was it, it's extremely difficult. So once I actually went to school, I ended up going to Abedal Grange. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know Abedal Grange much, yes, but it was yeah. a very, very, very difficult school. Yeah, very it's, aggressive. It's very, closed now, isn't it? Yes, yeah, closed down now. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that was a horrible yeah. school. Due to, yeah, yeah. Due, to, <laughs> due to they couldn't get the funding anymore and students weren't achieving as high mm-hmm. as they should have. Mm-hmm. And I got there and everyone was extremely aggressive. Now, mm-hmm. when you don't speak the language, you can only go by... Body language, yeah. that's all you can go off. And when mm-hmm. everyone is so loud and screaming and shouting, and now I know, now mm-hmm. that I speak the language, well, once I learned to speak the language, mm. I understood now that they were very aggressive, mm-hmm. but they weren't saying, saying anything menacing. Mm-hmm. But when you don't speak the language, mm-hmm. you get a bit scared. So the thing that I used to do a lot was when it came down to um, lunchtime, I used to sit outside at the front gates where no one used to be. I used to have my food there mm-hmm. until there was one Somali guy called Yasin kind of kind of brought me in and introduced me to some of the Somali kids in the mm-hmm. school and then I got mm-hmm. used to it. Mm. But it was, Abdul Grinch was probably the most difficult period of my life. You have to bear in mind, I started end of year 10, beginning year 11. Yes. Mm. That's a GCSE year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And in that GCSE year, I couldn't speak much English. Mm-hmm. And they kind of just threw me in it. Yeah, and yeah. their point was, is they said that, obviously you have to have your Englishes, your sciences, your RE, you had to have those, yeah. and your maths. Yeah. And then they said, oh, we'll put you in a lot of practical type classes a lot of hands-on classes, mm. but I sat there thinking, okay, well, you put me into, into a hands-on class, but the text is still English. Mm-hmm. The teacher is still speaking really fast English to me. Yeah. And back then, differentiation wasn't really a thing mm. as it is now. Now, you have to differentiate your work. You have to cater to individuals' needs. So, for example, one of the kids that I teach now is an NTE. Yeah. Um, she's new to English. Mm-hmm. And... Her English is not good, so I have to make sure that my <coughs> stuff that I teach has to be accessible to her. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's extremely important. Now, all teachers have to differentiate, but back then they didn't. Mm. They just threw me to a class and said, oh, just, just get on with it. Yeah. So I spent that entire year studying, studying, studying mm. English over and over and over again yeah. until I at least felt comfortable to answer but that school didn't make it easy for me mm. at all. Well, you didn't have some, like a mentor or None. Uh, assistant or anything None like that at all? None whatsoever. None wow. whatsoever. That school couldn't... I, I would have thought that they couldn't afford to have any teaching assistants mm. in the class. Yeah. But it was, it was difficult. They didn't, they didn't take care. Mm. Mm-hmm. So how, did you, how, how did you end up in Aberdeen then? Um, was, was that the nearest school to where you lived? Or? Oh, no, I lived, I lived in um, Netherthorpe. Okay. Yeah, wow. so we're talking two buses, we're talking nearly... An, 45 minutes to an hour to get there wow. was the only school that had space for me and mm-hmm. my younger siblings the mm-hmm. only one now in the beginning I, I wanted nothing else but to leave yeah. so mm-hmm. I said I said I wanted to go to Tapton because I knew one of the guys Abdul Hakim that lived mm-hmm. in um, in Netherthorpe yeah. and mm-hmm. he went to Tapton and he said mm-hmm. Tapton was brilliant good education so I had my mind set on going there yeah. but once I picked up the language and I made friends again kids don't like change much yeah. and once I got used to it and once my lessons started to get easier and easier you have to bear in mind is my family was, is very academic mm. I was in a top three school <clears throat> in the country mm. for a reason mm. like we were really good academically mm-hmm. so I just kept studying, and the transition of Dutch to English is quite easy. Mm. So once you get the grasp of it, yeah. like the, the grammar is slightly different, but for Dutch people, I find anyway, it is extremely mm. easy to 
pick up the English language. Yeah. So once, <laughs> once, once I picked it up, <laughs> it literally it was just smooth sailing from there. Yeah. Like literally, it was just smooth sailing from there. Yeah. So I mean, you know, in Holland, <clears throat> like uh, where I lived, there was only like in, in my town, there was only like one other Somali kid. And, and they used to confuse us. Like me and Daha, we don't look like each other, right? They used to say we're like brothers. <laughs> no, literally. So, so did you find that, that there's more diversity here because a large immigrant community? Well, I lived in Rotterdam, yeah. so mm. there was there was large, there was a large ethnic minority groups everywhere. <laughs> so, in terms of that, really, when I came here, it was just a new group of ethnic minorities. So there, you had Moroccans, Turkish, yeah, people from Suriname, mm -hmm. and here you've got Pakistanis, Yemenis, mm -hmm. um, Kurdish people, Turkish people. Mm -hmm. So it's just a different group of people, but it still felt the same. I'm, I'm talking about, like, sorry, maybe I was specific, like more Somalis. Um, oh, Because like, we're, we're usually spread out in Holland, and then yeah. here it's more, yeah. like, like more clustered. clustered yeah. there, there was actually a, a massive group of Somalis in, in Rotterdam. And then slowly but surely, people just kept leaving for England one by yeah. one, by yeah. one, by one. And now you go back, and you've got a lot of people that came to England and went back, didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And you just left, like a small pe group of people that just never left. Yeah. But it's not many of them now. Yeah. It's not many at all. How, how did you escape the, um, the trouble and the, and the gang culture that used to happen in schools? Like, did you, were, you, were you in the mindset of like, okay, I'm, I've come over from Holland, you know, I'm on a mission, and my, my focus is education, education, education. Is that, was that your mindset? It, it was, but in part, I also have to believe that there was some luck behind it, mm. only because I kept befriending the right type of people. Yeah. So yeah. In, in school, the Somali people that were there, and there was four of us, mm -hmm. and between the, the five of us, we were extremely, like, we were, we were calm. Like, mm. there was one hot-headed guy, but we were, none of us were, like, kids yeah. that were looking for trouble. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we, it was easy for me to stay away from it when I was around them. Mm. And then when I moved to Pittsmore, mm. I met a lot of the Darno, Darno guys, yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and again, I didn't, I didn't mix myself with like the type of people that could get me into trouble. So, mm. in some part, there was a bit of luck to it that I just never came across them. Yeah. So I, I could never say, <laughs> yeah, I would have never done it when I was younger. Because yeah. well and truly, if I had actually befriended those people and actually stayed with those people, I might have gone down a completely yeah. different road. So you're saying in Pittsmore and Darno, you found people that were kind of the same. Wavelength as you, mm -hmm. yeah, mm -hmm. and that, that just kept me out of trouble a lot. Mm. Well, if you if you were to point out one single, uh, the more the most you know prominent hardship that you faced moving from Holland to to UK, what would that be? I would I would say it was the language. Yeah, I not the actual moving. No, not the actual moving. <laughs> yeah, no, the actual yeah, yeah. the actual getting here. Once once we were here, I was actually quite excited because it was something new, mm -hmm. and I was actually quite excited, and mm -hmm. I got to meet. A few people, and we just played football. We yeah. didn't speak the language, but we just played football. And yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an easy thing yeah, to do, right? You don't have to say anything. Yeah. You just yeah. kind of shout at each other yeah, to pass true. the ball that's and true. stuff. Yeah. And so that that was that was my way of getting used to them. But it was it was the language barrier that was the most difficult thing for me. Mm. Like even with my mom, when she was looking for jobs, I had to go around with her mm. to, go to, the, 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 yeah. eldest, yeah, to go to interviews and stuff. Yeah, to go to interviews and stuff. And my English wasn't even that good. Yeah. But yeah, I had to try and help. So once I had the English language under control, everything else was just smooth sailing yeah. from there. That's, that was the most difficult part. It kind of makes sense why um, you, you didn't go into education for six months, that transition for you, you know, helping your mum, you know, settle in and helping your family settle in. So yeah. it kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. So your hardest thing moving here over here wasn't the, like, five channels? Like, how long you had, like, a hundred oh, channels? Oh, that's true, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what? I, I watched... I watched um, 
EastEnders religiously. I, I do have to admit that a lot of my English I picked up from, from EastEnders, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, from yeah. TV. That's how I learned the language. I started like Phil Mitchell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did a lot of watching TV, and then eventually I started a lot of reading, mm. and then I picked it up. You have to bear in mind, I ended up leaving with 13 GCSEs. Wow. What? Yeah. Mm. I, I got an I got a <clears throat> A in my English language. Wow. Yeah. Cool. yeah. So that that was. Once I picked it up, again, we come from a very academic family. Once mm -hmm. I picked it up, it was just a case of go home, study, mm -hmm. go home, study, go home, study, go home, study. Like, the reason why that year was the most difficult part was is because I did nothing else but that. Mm -hmm. Study, go to school, study, go to school, help my mom. Again, wow. study, go to school, study, go to school. I did nothing else for an entire year. Wow, that's yeah. amazing, isn't it? Yeah. 13 GCSEs. <laughs> how, do you, how do you get 13? I thought it was only 11. Yeah. I mean, I got a C in, um, in you, you can do as much. Ones. You can do up to 15, can't you? Yeah. yeah. I, I do have to admit, one of them is a bit of a cheat because it was the Dutch. Dutch one. <laughs> 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 it, was, it was the Dutch GCSE. So that doesn't count. It was like like yeah. primary school. So did, primary they, school did they teach English in, in the Netherlands was, as part of your curriculum? Was yeah, yeah, once, you got, yeah, yeah. once you go to secondary school. Now, the language that I got taught, and there were a lot of them, it was German, French, Spanish, English, Latin, and Greek. Mm. Not even that one. I just did Arabic, the, the German, definitely English and French. Yeah. But so we did all those six languages. I hated French. I have to admit, it's one thing that I just couldn't get my head around. Mm. They were teaching six languages, six, six foreign languages. No, that's look, nobody speaks yeah, Holland. No, nobody speaks Holland outside of Holland. You understand? Mm. But, yeah. but I, uh, I guess they, actually, yeah. te technically they do because they speak Dutch in yeah. South Africa. South Africa. Yeah, but that's, yeah. that's, 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 that's what, what, what is the name for that? I guess. But, how, how, how about yeah. Sur Suriname? Do they speak Dutch? They don't speak Dutch. They, uh, they they're, they're, they're Indian immigrants yeah. that got moved over during slavery. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so and they, they settled there. Mm. They could speak Dutch now because a lot of their people went to Holland and then yeah. went back. Mm -hmm. So, But they have their own language. Yeah. I read somewhere that they, they, they're stopping, um, you know, um, GCSEs like Arabic and Dutch because there's so many people coming from those countries who know the language fluently that when they take the exams, it's just really easy for them. I think they said something about it GCSE was, Arabic, yeah. The, mm. I, I, took, I took Dutch uh, GCSEs and A-levels when I was in year year 8 and I got an A star on A because they were literally just fresh from Holland. It was easy. Yeah. It was just basic stuff. And it's always <laughs> okay, can we, can we then say that it's quite embarrassing that you got an A star and then an A as no. opposed to two A stars? <laughs> no, no, no. Okay, first of all, first of all the, the A level was, 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 was a bit harder, man. Mm. And I was only 12. <laughs> so just, just, also, it's not like I revised for yeah. it. I, I just took the test. Like, literally, just yeah. threw a paper at me. Just, just going back to uh, Pittsmore and Burn Grieve, where you spent most of your, your uh, growing up, um, it has a large Somali community. Did that make it easier for you to settle in Sheffield? Yeah, mm. yeah, much, much, much easier. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing when you have your own people mm. there because you can always relate to them. You can always go to them. And mm. the good thing about Somalis is, we do to a certain extent have an open door policy. Mm. Like your friends, you can bring anyone over to yeah. to your house, and you could you could knock on anyone's door. It's not something that you would do, but you could knock on anyone anyone's door, mm. and they will happily let you in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And mean, they will help you. They will help you. Like this. It is, it's beautiful. They made having a lot of Somalis around makes things a lot, a lot easier. Yeah. Did, did you live with a family when you moved over here? Like yeah. a lot of Somalis do that. Oh no, like, we we just stayed. We had our own place to stay in when, once we came to. <coughs> One of the good things about the Somali culture <coughs> is no matter what city you go to, there's this kind of um, tight knit kind of group culture mm -hmm. that exists. Mm -hmm. So whether you go to Sheffield or Bristol, you kind of just feel like you're you're at home. Mm -hmm. You kind of feel at home. So. That's the really good thing about the Somali culture. It, I guess it's the culture makeup over it because we're so family orientated mm. in our mm. society in Somalia mm. uh, as Somalis. So uh, 
you know. <laughs> I don't know. Does does tribe get involved in the also? Yeah, sure. Of Eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, steering away from the previous uh, um, background. Uh, now uh, let's go more into <coughs> your, the education side of things and mm. what drove your passion into, you know, becoming a science teacher. Mm. Um, where where did that sort of stem from? Is it uh, from your childhood? Have you always liked? Um, the chemistry, physics, biology side of things, or mm. is it something you've picked up along the years when you were studying in, in, in mm. schools and university? Yeah. No, of course, like coming from a Somali family, everyone mm. knows that you could either become a doctor <laughs> or you became an engineer. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's be honest about that part. Yeah. We, don't, yeah. We, don't, yeah, we don't know. We don't know much else that's out there. So yeah. obviously, when I was young, it kind of got fed into my mind that the, the highest profession is to be a doctor, period. So it never left my mind. So in Holland, I worked hard to become a doctor. I wanted to become a surgeon. Mm. And that's how I actually ended up in the school that I ended up in in Holland, because that was the easiest way to become a surgeon. Mm. Now, when I came to England, obviously, things kind of took a massive derail because mm -hmm. you, need, you need A's and A stars in your sciences to even, and that's just in GCSEs, to mm. even want to, if you wanted to become yeah. a doctor. Now, when everything became more difficult, I was a bit more realistic and kind of, took a few steps back and realized that, okay, maybe I won't be able to, won't mm -hmm. be able to become a surgeon. Mm -hmm. And it also made me realize that really it's not my passion, mm -hmm. but it always has been science. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if it wasn't, if it wasn't to become a doctor, it was to become something else within science. Mm -hmm. And I always found it easier to understand things around me, understand mm -hmm. the world much easier mm -hmm. through science more than anything else. Mm -hmm. Like more than anything else in the world, I could understand the world better through science and I enjoyed it more mm -hmm. than I enjoyed anything else. And that's, that's where the passion stemmed from is I can see science everywhere. Mm -hmm. yeah. it, it, to me, science is obvious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And the more, the more I studied it, the more I looked into it, the more it was like, oh, like the more I saw the beauty in it. Mm -hmm. And then I just, and do you know what? Let's be honest. When something is very easy for you, you enjoy it much more. Yes. Yeah. When yes. something is easy, some people say it's, I love it. I love it. It's the best thing. But more than likely, it's the reason why I love it is because it's very easy for you. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't easy for you, if you struggled with it, would you have still loved it the way that you do now? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And science just came very easy to me. And then I came here, did okay in my sciences and GCSEs, and I took it to A level. It became harder, mm -hmm. but it was still that same enjoyment was still there. So I never deviated from. I never thought of well, why don't I go into psychology? Or why don't I go into law? Or why don't I go into social working? Mm -hmm. Or that type of thing. It, it always has been science. My mind had never wandered anywhere else. And mm -hmm. maybe that could be a disadvantage or an advantage. Mm -hmm. But either way, I, so for you, me, it was a... Yeah, having left school, you've gone to, obviously, uh, in Longley Park Sixth Form College. Mm -hmm. I think that's where Correct. we both first met. <laughs> exactly. um, um, and that's, that, you've picked then uh, science-related A-levels. Mm -hmm. And, and after that, that you went to, what, that choice, what made you choose that particular degree that you did in uh, forensics chemistry, if I'm not mistaken? What, what made you, what, there's so many different uh, there is. Uh, degrees out there, science-related degrees, mm. that you could have easily gone into. You saw your sign here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. On, honestly, that's a good question. And to be fair, it's one that's, 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 that's worth discussing because I didn't know anything else that was out there. Mm -hmm. Um, college didn't really give me the right access to the type of courses that were there. Mm. And to be honest, I was looking through the list, I saw forensics and I got excited. Yes. Yeah. And I was like, CSI, brilliant, mm -hmm. right? No one actually sat me down and said, oh, there are NHS funded courses. No mm -hmm. one said to me that, that you, can, you can go into these type of um, mm -hmm. subjects 
in chemistry or in physics or in biology, or no one even told me that you can do biomedical science and then if you do really well in biomedical science, you could still become a doctor. Mm -hmm. No one told me that. Mm -hmm. So we had a careers day, mm -hmm. but it wasn't that good. Yeah. No yeah. one, no one, no one had the access to the things that they could do. You just had a massive list on UCAS, mm -hmm. yeah, which is which is where or how yeah. you apply for university, yeah. all this, and you just pick one. And there's so many of them, you mm -hmm. can't go through all of them. Mm -hmm. And I just, just flicking through them. Forensic was the first thing that caught my eye, mm -hmm. and I just clicked it. Mm -hmm. Honest way, to God, I, I saw I saw Harry, um, this weekend, mm -hmm. and, and he's becoming a podiatrist. Yeah, I mean, you can still immediate psychology, and then. He's doing surgery now. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you can still become a... a to be fair, podiatry is this. It's not really surgery. It's a mm. particular... Uh, it's more so focused on one type of, say, limb surgery, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. It's, it's the foot. So, it's it? not a general surgery. It's... Uh, you're not you're called a podiatrist for for a reason. You're not. But you're not the surgeon. You're not the surgeon. You do you do you do all the X-rays. You do all the backroom stuff for the surgeon. That a lot of NHS-funded courses. That's what they are. They are the people that do the background stuff for the doctors. So radiography is just a case of X-ray images, and then that gets passed on to the general practitioner. Gets passed on to the the general doctors at the hospital. I mean, one of the most important things as well is I think you've definitely experienced it. When we were choosing your top, your degree, yeah. they didn't tell you anything about the job opportunities after. No, yeah. no. which is to me the most important thing. Yeah. You know, there is absolutely no point of you picking a degree. Yeah. You're not going to get a. You know. Just before that point, um, your degree, whilst studying for that degree, did you realize that it was the degree for you, or did you have second thoughts? Or I, honest, honest to God, I did have second, like. Um, I thought about it twice a few times. Mm. What, in your but first year? <coughs> Second in, year? In my or? first year, at the end of the first year, I wanted to quit the course. Mm. But I stuck with it. Mm. You have to bear in mind, a lot of people do out of stubbornness. Mm. They, you don't just quit halfway through yeah. a course. Why, why did you, you want to quit? It. What was the reason for it? It was because it was the way that the course was set up. Mm. And I felt that although it was a forensic and chemistry course, there was a lot of stuff that weren't forensic and chemistry related in my first year. Mm. So mm. I kind of sat there sitting exams thinking, why on earth am I learning about this? Is, mm. is any of this relevant to me mm -hmm. at all if, if, if I'm doing mm -hmm. forensics mm -hmm. and then a bit of chemistry? Now, that changed in my third year. And in my third year, I loved it a whole lot more because it was more chemistry-heavy. Mm -hmm. But I thought about it a lot of times. But it's just, I don't have it in me to just decide to just drop everything and then start something new. Mm -hmm. It's just not something that I do. Yeah. So I just kind of stuck with it. And for the better, anyway. <clears throat> so yeah. so uh, um, just go, Sorry, just going... Um, back to what Armin was saying, uh, what you saying about postgraduate? Yeah, in terms or? of yeah, when we initially we picked the course, um, you know, they, they didn't give you enough insights on, on how the job opportunities sort of, you know, there were, there's no information out there for mm. for young individuals to know. Okay, if this is the right if this is the right course, okay, does it have any job job What's the job prospects? Mm. Mm. You know, nothing around. That's that. correct. Yeah. That's correct. So. So, I mean, did you struggle to find a job after graduate? Oh, wow, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. Everything everything that you applied for, you have to bear in mind that you weren't just competing with other graduates. You were competing with people that had been in the profession for years. Yeah. So we're talking people that were at the top of their profession. So mm. I'd go into an interview and I'd have a woman or a man sit next to me that had mm. been a manager at a chemical or pharmaceutical company wow. for like wow. 20 years. And let's be honest... Like, I try to go down the route of, look, here I am, I'm, I'm a graduate, I'm excited, I've got new ideas, I'm creative, mm. this is me. I was trying to build a niche for myself that they might like. Mm. But at the end of the day, 
if you're going to take someone that's new that you have to train or you take someone that's been in the profession for 20 years, mm-hmm. who do you go for? Yeah. You go for the one that's been there longer. And after, after a year of constantly applying, you start to realize that really there wasn't much out there. Mm. And that's what happens now mm. is you find a lot of people mm-hmm. in, in working in middle hall or working at call centers it's because well and truly, the jobs out there, you are competing with people that are way, way ahead of you. Were you, were you looking for a job in specifically Sheffield or did you look around no, UK? No, I was, I was willing to relocate anywhere. Mm. I was willing mm. to relocate anywhere. But it just didn't work out. Now, I ended up getting a job at the university. I did research for six months, which was brilliant. Mm. Which university is it? Um, Sheffield Hallam University. Okay. And I worked there for six months doing research. I worked at the technical department there for quite a while. Mm. And all of it was good, but it made me realize well and truly is that it, it wasn't something that I wanted to go into. I even worked at a um, at this uh, a chemical company near Rotherham. Mm-hmm. And what they do was they test food and they test water. Mm-hmm. And you basically, you got a lot of water samples from like the hospital, from drainage pipes and stuff like that. See if it's got bacteria in it. And obviously if there's, yeah. or viruses, if there's anything in it, mm-hmm. you let them know. And it has to be cleaned. And also you take foods. So um, Tesco's, Asda, Sainsbury's, they all send like samples of food mm-hmm. and you have to test it to make sure that everything is yeah. like um, up to standard and is good quality. Mm. And I was doing the same thing every <laughs> single day for six weeks. And I felt like I was losing my mind. And after <laughs> six weeks, I had quit. And I ended up working at a call center in Dern Valley. Mm-hmm. And I much preferred that than working in the science lab. And that's when I started to reevaluate like, is this really what I wanted to do? Yeah. Like, I mean, is it, really it's not what real science is about, just doing tests again. But it's not. But it's not. Like, the, the real sciences, like, in terms of research, yeah. the type of science that I always saw myself doing mm-hmm. was either research, so we're talking like PhD kind of research, or working in a lab at the hospital, testing various samples. But if you, if you are in the same little room Control every single day with little vials of water, and it, it, honest to God, it was like a, it was like a factory job. You do, I did not need a degree to do what I did there. Yeah, yeah. You do not need it. The machine is what's analyzing everything. It's not you. Yeah. Yeah. Now, if it was me doing all the sciences yeah. and I was adding the chemical reagents and yeah. working out what is what and I had to fill in reports and stuff, that'd be brilliant. Yeah. That's how I saw science. Mm. But I was basically taking samples, sticking into a machine, printing out results. Mm. And I was just doing that. Grab it from here, put it there. And it was just constantly, the whole yeah. day, just sample after sample after sample, and it was never ending. Yeah. I feel like you're never not learning ending. anything, are you? You're not learning anything. Mm. I felt like I wasn't progressing, and I wasn't even getting paid enough. You have yeah. to bear in mind that a lot of companies can get away now with giving minimum wage. Mm. Yeah. They, Zero they didn't, contracts. Yeah, yeah, they couldn't do that before now. You're sat there doing a job that you hate. Mm. You're, you're getting paid barely anything. Yeah. You're just getting by every single day. That's a big mm-hmm. problem in society now as well, man. There's a lot of people in jobs that they don't even like. Mm. But they just there's nothing else out there, so they have to stick to it. Exactly. So yeah. Yeah. Um, now having graduated, obviously struggled struggled for a while to find a job. What, that transition, to, what what made you actually go into uh, um, the uh, teaching profession? Yeah. Uh, what, what that decision? Where did it stem from? Is yeah. it was it something that was on on the back of your mind? Yeah. Did you research about yeah. it prior to? So now to, now you're a practicing teacher. Yeah. Um, at Fair Park Academy. Correct. Um, yeah, how did that come about? Mm. It, it, was, it was quite strange. Now, in, I always loved working with kids. Mm. Now, was it in a school setting? It wasn't always in my mind that it was going to be in a school setting, but I always loved working with kids. Now, when you are reevaluating what you want to do, you explore every single one of your options. 
and I had a friend of mine who um, his sister ended up going into teaching mm. and she was used to tell me how difficult it was but she really enjoyed it and I thought about it twice and I was like okay I did I did my research mm. for a few months and I thought I was at a stage where I really didn't have anything to lose mm. like I didn't have anything to lose and now there's a lot of a lot of people that are going into the profession mm. for the same reason and it's kind of a hit and miss. Yeah. Either it works out for you or it, or it doesn't. Mm -hmm. Now, thank God for me, it worked out. Mm -hmm. But it might not have. And you find that a lot of teachers are coming in thinking, you get all the holidays, you get all the pay, and mm -hmm. all you have to do is teach. And then they get there, and the reality is completely different than yeah. what it really is. Mm -hmm. And they realize that, okay, well, during my holidays, I am planning and I'm working. I, haven't, I barely have any free time. Yeah. This wasn't for me. Mm -hmm. And then they'll quit after two years. Yeah. So you have that a lot. But it, it just happened very spontaneously. Yeah. Like, it happened very spontaneously. And I thought, just take that leap of faith, try it, see how it works out for you. Mm. And it did. Wow. I mean, is it worth doing a teaching job? It, it is absolutely worth it. It's absolutely worth it. Now, everyone used to say the same thing to me before I went into it. Like, oh, it's, it's rewarding, but it's difficult. And mm. everyone, it was, it was the same line over and over and over again. There's no teacher that doesn't say it. And I find myself saying it all the time. Yeah. It's rewarding, but it's extremely difficult. You have to, you have to want it. Yeah. If you want to try it, try it, by all means. But it is, it is a lot of hard work. You have to mm. sit there and commit a massive chunk of your life to it. Yeah. Like there's a lot of responsibility. Mm. So. You normally do take the homeworks back home. Yeah. You need what sixty hours worth of uh, um, teaching mm. or a week. Yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. And I mean, I guess the perks or the good side of it, you, you will be getting a lot of holidays. Yeah. Um, all these half terms and whatnot. Mm. But how did you, you know, when you were first initially searching it? When you were looking at the disadvantages and the workload and that, did, didn't that put you off? It, it semi put me off, just a little bit, not, not by much. Mm. Now, I had the opportunity to go and watch a few teachers teach before I did it. Mm. And all of them have said to me that the beginning is the toughest. Mm. If, you can, if you can write it out in the first couple of years mm. afterwards, you can always fall back on the work that you did before. Mm. You always have to become a better teacher, you always have to change the stuff that you've been using. Mm. But once you have something to fall back on, it gets a little bit easier. Mm. But they always said that they would never change their profession for anything else in the world. Yeah. And I think it was that passion that made me go. Yeah. Mm -hmm. let's, let's, let's give it a go. Let's, let's try it out. Yeah. A friend of mine, he, he also works at um, Fair Park Academy. And he said, Mahmoud, he, goes, he loves teaching. He loves like teaching science. Um, is what about the side of like you know um, being a role model to to students? Obviously, teaching is is one aspect, mm. but how do you motivate uh, young kids and you know keep them on a level uh, ground or grounded? As I say, like how do you how do you maintain the classroom in in, in some ways? Is, 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 is it, yeah, is it, is it difficult sometimes? Or yeah, it's difficult. You have to remember, kids are very ignorant. They always think that they know better mm. than than mm -hmm. the people that are older than them. So the, you could tell them of all you want or you can tell them about the pitfalls and what they need to do mm. but kids can't see it they can't relate to it now for me it's much easier to teach because these kids can relate to me I come from the same background that they come from yeah. and they a lot of the kids they can identify themselves within me so now for me it's much easier to teach the boys than it is to teach the girls mm. only because the boys they see me I, I play football with them I can I can 
bust the same jokes that they do. Yeah. They can laugh with me. Mm-hmm. And then when I'm in the class, I can be extremely strict on them, but they can always see that I'm trying for them. Yeah. Like I'm not doing it for anyone else but them. Yeah. And they can, they can, once they see that, they, mm. they open up a whole lot more yeah. to, to me. And that makes my job easier to teach because yeah. then they're more likely to want to come in and do well. And I find that a lot of the Somali kids in particular mm-hmm. that are in my class are always working the extra bit harder yeah. only because it's me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, it makes, it makes managing got, the classroom mm-hmm. a whole lot easier. It's because yeah. you got a whole year on the phone number, isn't it? Do you know what? The funny thing is, <laughs> I actually, I actually the, the first thing that I said to a lot of the kids, yeah. because I know that like ethnic minorities, they, like most of them are extremely scared of their parents, especially the mom. Yeah. And a lot of the Somali kids, when I was there, the ones that were in my class, I told them, Listen, if you, I've, I've watched it for the last few weeks. If you mess about in my class, I'm going to call you Hoyo. Yeah. And that shuts every single yeah. one of them. Every single one of Just them. Just for that, our that listeners, uh, quiet. Hoyo means uh, mother, mother yeah. in English. Yeah. yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I, I, coming, coming from um, you know, living in Pittsburgh, Ben Grieve, knowing that community, so mm-hmm. you, you must know a lot of parents and, um, from the Somali background, uh, community. So. Yeah, you do. Now, in my, in my particular school, not that much. Mm. Now, I have called them all individually and told them, like, okay, look, my name is... Mr. Hassan, mm. I am Somali. I teach your son. I teach your daughter. Mm. Like, kind of try and build a report with them. Yeah. But other than that, a lot of the Somali teachers, uh, Somali parents, I haven't met them personally because you have to bear in mind that's Firth Park area. Yeah. So it's not a lot of the parents that I have seen. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, is there a teacher sh- shortage? Um, we were talking about it earlier. Massively, massively, massively. There, um, there's a lot of people that are leaving the profession. Obviously, one of the things that I said before was is because people are finding out that teaching really wasn't what what they thought it would be. They weren't really willing to sacrifice their social life yeah. for teaching, yeah. and they found it's too difficult. So they either fall back on what they were doing before, or a lot of people are moving abroad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, a lot of countries abroad are adopting the British curriculum, and mm-hmm. they make life so much easier for you. Yeah. Like, for example, a lot of people are moving to, say, Dubai. Mm-hmm. And Dubai is now adopting the English curriculum as well. Yeah. But not only are they adopting the English curriculum, the kids, their parents have to pay for their kids to be yeah. in school. So yeah. these kids are not going to mess about in those classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's much easier to teach them. They are more keen, they are more engaged, and you get paid way more, and you have to do less work. Yeah. So wow. when, you put, when you put everything into perspective, I understand why they are moving abroad. Mm. It's an easier life. You yeah. get paid more. And there's a lot of job offers that I saw coming from like Abu Dhabi, Dubai, Saudi, mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia, mm. where they will pay your, your transfer, yeah. Yeah. like the, the move-in. Mm. You get, your kids go through education for free. Mm-hmm. You get free health care. They, they pay for your accommodation. They lease a car out for you. Yeah. What else do you pay for? <laughs> just, just to live. There's no yeah. income tax to pay for. And you don't pay income tax. And the, <laughs> yeah. things that, the, the, the things that you would get taxed on are the things that you're getting for free. Yeah. So then mm-hmm. how, how do UK schools compete with that? I mean, literally every aspect is better in like Saudi yeah. Arabia. It apart is. from like maybe freedom. Because yeah. um, <laughs> there must be a worry that we're losing um, a lot of quality teachers there from are the UK going a abroad. Lot, a, lot, a lot of quality teachers are leaving to go abroad. And a lot of quality teachers are just quitting just due to stress. There's just a lot of there's a lot of pressure piling on top of them for kids to reach yeah. the standards yeah. that for a lot of kids it's extremely difficult to reach anyway. Yeah. Now the way the the way that predicted grades work in England is yeah, they they sit sats in year six. Yeah. I, I think they abolish sats now. It's called something else, and they get a predicted grade yeah. for science, English, maths, okay. and so forth. And they'll go through the entire 
um, education in secondary school, mm-hmm. but that that prediction never changes. Mm-hmm. So a kid that in year six gets is told you're going to get an A in science. Yeah. Wow. Might struggle with science in school, get into a bottom set class, mm-hmm. and doesn't have the ability to reach those those targets that he set. And a lot of teachers are struggling to meet those targets. Yeah. For those children, because mm-hmm. let's be honest, science is not for everyone. Mm-hmm. Everyone can learn science, everyone can appreciate science, but sometimes the concepts and ideas behind science is extremely difficult to grasp for other kids. Yeah. And there are some kids that work completely different. So you'll, you'll have kids, some kids that are absolutely brilliant in arts, mm-hmm. very hands-on, very creative, and it's the way that their brain works. Yeah. But then when it comes down to sciences, they're like, okay, well, well, why talk to me about forces? What's force? Mm-hmm. What? Well, it's weight. And if I, if I asked anyone right now, and I ask all of you right now, how do you define weight? By mass. By mass, right? And that's actually incorrect. Mass and weight are two different things. Weight is gravity. Mm-hmm. Mass is what you, consi- what, what you are made of. But yet, all these kids come in with million misconceptions of things that they learned when they were younger. Yeah. How do you reverse that? Mm-hmm. How do you tell kids, your way of thinking is wrong, this is the truth? How can you convince a kid, well, it's called weighing skill, but really it's, it's a mass skill. You can't, Mm-hmm. Your weight is it's it's it depends on the gravity that acts on your mass, mm-hmm. and try and teach that to a bottom set bottom set class. Yeah. <laughs> they're just they're just gonna yeah. they're just gonna walk out of that class. I, I mean I, I mean do you think do you think cause look so I remember my um my 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 physics teacher was amazing. Um, his name was Mr. Williams. I mean mm-hmm. he, I think he still teaches at Fairville. The thing he, he did was he did a lot of experiments, got people engaged, got them mm-hmm. to do that. But then we had a chemistry teacher who just Told us to open up a book, and then he mm. used to read the chapters after yeah. chapters. Like fifty five minutes in, everyone is just like, I don't know, daydreaming or, or <laughs> messing about. I, I mean, so it's I mean, dials. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I, I mean, I mean, do you, do you recommend more like practical, engaging things? Like in Holland, they make you like like we said for, uh, earlier, they, they start you off early, like when six, make you do the work yourself. Yeah. So so so, so you learn more, exactly. and you also learn how to be more. Um, Self independent, yeah, yeah, a bit more independent. Yeah, but, but I mean, would you recommend like being more engaging? Yeah, more. En- engagement, engagement is a massive thing in science, and it's one of the things that they've been focusing on for years now. Yeah. And you can make science engaging. Science is interesting, and you're right. If I do an experiment every lesson, kids will come in, absolutely love it, do the experiments. But at the end of the day, with kids, is sometimes you find that they come in doing experiments, but they like doing the experiments but mm-hmm. they don't actually pick up what it is they're doing they're not picking up any skills they don't know what what solution they're adding to another solution they don't know what they're burning they don't know what they're looking at mm-hmm. so kids are coming in they're like oh every every lesson i'll have one at least one kid come up to me so are we doing an experiment and the thing is it's it's just a break from mm-hmm. for the kids they just see it as it's a break from learning yeah. mm-hmm. we're just gonna do it let's just do it mm-hmm. but they're not putting their mind to it as to what exactly am I doing? What 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 part of science is it that I am working on right now? Mm. They don't see it that way. Yeah. So you're right. It's about engagement, but sometimes, sometimes, uh, obviously in science is there's a lot of theory behind it as well before you can do the practicality. Mm-hmm. Now we we're not allowed to use make students read out of books. Mm. In my opinion. You can't obviously you can't do every lesson, but I believe some lessons you should be able to. Mm-hmm. Like here's the book, the information is here. Answer the questions. If you need help, come find me. Mm. And sometimes I believe, but that's just me. And I, obviously it's an opinion, and I could be wrong. And I used to work like that, and a lot of kids before used to work like that. And it's not like we didn't have doctors before. Yeah. Mm. Like some of the smartest people we're talking, 
your Einsteins and stuff, they didn't, they didn't need no engagement, mm-hmm. but they were still good in science. So I don't know why schools are moving away so much from mm-hmm. how we used to teach before, mm-hmm. rather than trying to incorporate the new stuff with the old stuff and see, because again, some kids are different. It might be boring one lesson, but science in general can be very boring. Even if you do a practical, it could still be boring. You could, you could give them all the work in the world, it could still be boring. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. I heard Nick Clegg say something in the one of the local newspapers about the um, inequality um, in schools in Sheffield. Um, how do you think we can bridge that gap from, say, the less advantaged areas compared to the the the, um, the more advanced areas in Sheffield? And do you think there's an inequality in in schools and education in Sheffield or in general? Or there, there is less inequality now because. The teachers are being forced now to cater to everyone's needs. Mm. So um, it's one of the things that I mentioned before is differentiation is like a massive, massive thing right now where every kid should be able to have access to their learning. Now you've got a lot of like Roman Slovak kids now that have come over to England that Mm. don't know the language and within their own homes they don't speak the language either and they'll mm. come into school not knowing the language yeah. and me as a science teacher has to have to stand in front of that class mm. and teach them yeah. so I'll have I'll have like say a really bright kid in the class and I've got someone that doesn't speak English in the class and I have to it's my job as a teacher yeah. to make sure that every single one of those kids has the, the same amount of access to the learning but if they yeah. don't speak English, how are you engaging with but them? But that's that's exactly the point, and that's that's a lot of the problems that you're finding now in teaching is, yeah. is that there's so many things that you can do. There's this you have to you have to make sure that everything is differentiated. You have to make sure that um, kids with special educational needs are taken care of. Kids from low income families are taken care of, and you have to fit that all in within one plan of one lesson. Mm. And you have to bear in mind, you, you are doing 25 to 30 lessons a week. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to do that for every single lesson. And it's that stress and it's all... Uh, just planning for the lessons itself is stressful. But then you've also got... Um, obviously, the people that are a bit higher are trying to make sure that everything is run correctly, that mm. kids are achieving what they're supposed to achieve. Yeah. So if the kids are not achieving, then the people at the top are going to crack down at the bottom. Now, mm. science is one of those subjects that are... That's extremely difficult sometimes mm-hmm. to teach a certain thing to, for example, a kid that doesn't speak English very well. Yeah. I mean, how do you explain gravity to someone that doesn't speak English? How do yeah. you, how do you explain the idea of momentum mm-hmm. to a kid that doesn't understand mm-hmm. English? How do you speak, how do you teach someone about atoms? Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? How do you teach them about atoms? How do you teach about photosynthesis yeah. to yeah. someone that doesn't speak English? But yet, it's your job. You have to. Yeah. So you spend two hours planning. For that same lesson, planning it for one person, wow. just one. Yeah. And then you're planning it for the rest of the class as well. And then the rest of the class has levels to it as well. You've got high attaining students, low attaining students, middle attaining students. And you have to cater for each and every one of them. Yeah. So you have to make sure that for those that are lower attaining, you have to plan the lesson so that it's more easy for them. Yeah. But at the yeah. same time, you're stretching those that are really good. Mm. So you're spending like five, six hours planning one lesson. Mm-hmm. But they got 24 more to go. But, but don't you think, like, um, if, if the higher attaining students have, I mean, the, the the kids that don't speak English that well, are they not holding back the higher attaining students? They are, but it's your job to make sure that it doesn't. So, I mean, you're like juggling different balls. So at you, same time. you are juggling more than 100 balls in one that lesson. That doesn't sound appealing as a teacher. <laughs> no, it, <laughs> doesn't, teacher. It, don't, no, it doesn't sound appealing as a teacher. Yeah. Of course, it doesn't, but 
that there have been so many moments where you do it right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I can tell you that the feeling that you get when you do get it right and you do have kids mm -hmm. that are actually doing brilliant in your class, mm -hmm. you wake up every single morning wanting to do even better. Mm -hmm. And you want to do better. And you have to remember, it. the good thing about teaching, the reason why I love it so much is right now, it's giving me purpose. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like I am doing something that matters. Yeah. Okay. As opposed to when I was in the lab doing nothing. Who am I? I, I don't know what these water yeah. um, samples were doing for me. Mm, yeah. But then I'm going to teaching every morning for these kids, yeah. making sure that they have the right opportunities to do yeah. what they want to do. Yeah. You, you and, contribute to society, and, and, aren't you? Yeah, and, and that, that alone. And with teaching, it's not just teaching. Yeah. There's the wider community as well. There's the getting to know the kids, building the relationships, working with the parents, working with other teachers to make these kids' lives better. Now, there's a lot of things in school in school right now that are making it difficult to do that. Mm. But when you hit it right, when you hit it right, there's no better feeling. Mm -hmm. In the world, there's no better feeling. And right now, I feel like I am doing something. Mm -hmm. I've never felt that before. Right now, I feel like I am doing something. I'm making a difference. And positive contribution to society. A massive positive yeah. contribution. And then you have kids that will leave and then go, go ahead and become doctors. Mm -hmm. Knowing that it all started in your classroom. Yeah. You've, got yeah. kids, you've, you've got kids that will turn around and say, do you know what? I wish I'd listened to my teacher before. I would have got, I would have been better. Do you know what? Let me turn my life around and turn the life around. Mm. And wow. everything, everything starts in the classroom. Yeah. Everything, everything in life starts in the classroom. And it's such a big responsibility, but it's such an amazing responsibility yeah. at the same time. So you're saying being a teacher is hard work, but you get a lot of personal satisfaction? A lot of personal satisfaction. Okay, so, so do you think in the UK teachers are not are respected? They are not well respected, no. no. Teachers, mm. teachers here in England are not well respected at all. Like, no, I mean, why is that? Because I mean, if a kid doesn't do well, you get blamed. Despite you the fact blamed. that you mm -hmm. know, there's, there's a lot of like um, hurdles. They're, exactly, exactly. But a lot of people don't know about the hurdles, mm -hmm. and a lot of people are ignorant on it. And a lot of things are not shown in the news the way that it is now. Te teaching is extremely difficult. Mm -hmm. And for example, in Holland, teachers are put in the same brackets yeah. as doctors, as lawyers, mm -hmm. as then they are well respected within the community, and parents support that. Mm -hmm. And here in England, you find that mm. the kids have less respect for teachers. Mm -hmm. The community as a whole has less respect for teachers. Mm -hmm. The country as a whole has less respect for teachers. And the amount of work that they put in. And I think it's hard to find any group of people that work harder than teachers do mm -hmm. for the children. And, and now, whoever works, wherever you guys work, if you work overtime, you get paid overtime. Am I yeah. correct? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. You get paid. Now, everyone says teaching pay is absolutely brilliant. You start off with 22, 23K, and you progress every single year. But you have to bear in mind this. I wake up 5 in the morning, I go to sleep at 10 o'clock at night. Wow. And I'm doing a lot of work. Mm -hmm. So if people are going into teaching or are looking to go into teaching, it has to be a passion. If you're going after the money, no. it's the, the money The money doesn't do justice to the work that you are doing for your school. But you but at the same time, you have to remember is who are you doing the work for? Mm -hmm. You're doing the work for the kids. Mm -hmm. And so long you make it about the work and you don't make it about the pay, and mm -hmm. you don't make it about the holidays, mm -hmm. teaching is an absolutely beautiful thing. You have to remember, yeah. I was not 100% sure when I went into teaching, but I got here and I absolutely loved it. Mm -hmm. yeah. And I love the fact that I took, I took that jump to go into teaching. Mm -hmm. But if, if you are serious about becoming a teacher... Make sure that you want to do it because there's a lot of people that are coming into teaching and they are leaving rapidly. Yeah, I mean, this is the problem, though. The government's right now. They're, they're, there's this stance where they're trying to encourage the STEM subjects. Mm. So what they're doing in, in, in that sense, they're 
um, they were given incentives in terms of, uh, um, I think, offering teachers a lot of money, uh, physics teachers, chemistry teachers. But when you're saying that <laughs> you're not coming to this sort of profession for the for money, mm. is there anything there's like a clash then with the way the government is sort of, um, you know, uh, looking at things and, mm. and and the way you sort of explained mm. it. Because they they they're good enough to they they're trying results. to huh? they care more about results than pretty much yeah yeah mm. yeah mm-hmm. and uh, obviously that's not in Germany I think mm. teachers get paid as 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 well as surgeons and doctors yeah. And, uh, yeah. and lawyers so I think I don't know there is it the education system in the UK is not functioning well, well, well. Uh, it's do, do you know what there's a lot of factors behind it like now a lot of things it's all about data. Mm. There's a lot of data and a lot of numbers that you have to work with. And again, it's like, it's, it's like you said, it is at the end of the day, it comes, it comes down to results. Every school is trying to go up the rankings of how well does school attain. Mm-hmm. And obviously what you want, in, in, in the large scheme of it all, yes, they want the kids to do well. But it's the way sometimes that, that a lot of schools are going about to try and get students to get the right results and there's just a lot of pressure on teachers to get it right. And it's, 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 it's the stress that builds up yeah. sometimes. The stress can build up. And a lot of teachers, they, they find it hard to manage and they'll, they'll, they'll go abroad. Mm. But again, so long, so long it is about the job. So long you yeah. make it about the job. So long you do it for the kids <laughs> and you work hard for the kids. It doesn't matter what they do above you. Yeah. Whatever they achieve, that's what they were capable of achieving. You just have to do the best that you can for them yeah. and yes there is a lot that the, cov- the government can do for schools mm-hmm. and now you've got a lot of schools the upcoming academies mm-hmm. and now it's even like the, the pressure is getting a bit higher now as well but you yeah. just have to do your job like you're doing any other job every job yeah. has, has, has stresses in them if yeah. it doesn't have stresses in them then yeah. you, so you, you are doing something wrong <laughs> yeah. like you are doing that's something true, wrong true. like every job comes with stresses yeah. and for me personally if you overcome any type of stress or any type of hardship, the results are worth it more than anything else. Yeah. And so long you are willing to fight, remember, for the kids, mm. and you are willing to do more for the kids, yeah. teaching is the best thing in the world. Yeah. The best thing in the world. Mm. But if you, are, if, you are, if, if you are slightly lazy or if you are not doing it for the right reasons, then the profession can swallow you up yeah. differently. So, so, I mean, what would you say to, like, I mean, you teach your kids right now in secondary, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, they, they, then they're going to go to college, and then they're going to go to university. So, I mean, what do you, what is, what is your opinion about like the tuition fees? I mean, they get an increase right now. Um, what is it like a decade? People will have like seventy grand debt. Yeah, that's yeah. correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, there was a cap before, but I mean, is is, is there a, is there? Would you recommend kids to go to school, uh, university, mm-hmm. and get in debt? Yeah. The thing uh, is, I think what you, is, yeah, I think what Yaya yeah, is saying is, um, when you go to university uh, and then you graduate. You, you leave with an enormous amount of debt. So, was it worth it at the end? Yeah. I think that's what he, what he's trying to say. Is it worth going through college, university, and then you, you can't find a job? Right? Yeah, I graduated two thousand thirteen. Yeah, two thousand thirteen. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I, I mean, I think I don't, I, your tuition fees were like three grand, right? Three grand. Correct. Yeah, but I'm talking about like right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. After two thousand twelve, yeah. it was like nine grand, and now it's you know going over ten grand, yeah. and the, the, then they're are they, are they increasing it more. They are increasing it more. Mm-hmm. So I mean, I mean, is there a point? 
going into um, going to university and then having like forty grand, fifty grand, sixty grand debt. Because because in America, like right now, you, um, every student like when you go to like Ivy League, mm. you, you come out with like two hundred fifty thousand debt, mm. which you're probably never gonna pay back because yeah. this is wages haven't increased. You just can't and afford it, yeah. yeah, and and you and you, you and it's hard to even find a job in America. Mm. Yeah, you have to bear in mind. You have to bear in mind that university, if you finish university, opens up a lot of doors for you. Mm. Without a degree. Obviously, you might not go into the job that you want to, but it does open up a lot of doors for you elsewhere. Now, if I never did my degree, I could have never done teaching, period. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I always suggest for kids to definitely go through school, definitely go through college, and after that, decide what you want to do. If you don't know what you want to do, I am a firm believer that go go ahead and go to university, regardless of the debt. Because you have to bear in mind, you have to earn over 25000 a year to start paying back, and you only get taxed on the money that you earn over 25000 so you don't, they don't tax you for the money up to 25 grand. But say if you're earning 25, if you earn 26 grand, you get taxed on that extra grand. That's, that's the amount, they'll take like 5% of that grand to pay back to your tuition fees. That's, that's not, I don't think that's right because I'm, I'm, they're taking money from me. I'm not earning 26 grand. Oh no, but you no, know, that's, that's for the new ones. Now, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, are, okay. for us, for us, we pay three grand. grand. Oh, Ours is 15 grand. These yeah. are for the new kids. Yeah. Oh, and and your, your debt gets written off after 30 years anyway. Yeah. Now, let's be honest, not a lot of people are Gonna going be, to pay back. Because mm-hmm. I, the funny thing is, I actually got my letter, my um, mm-hmm. statement, you know, my statement yeah, through a couple of days ago. <laughs> and mm-hmm. if, okay. once, once I start paying back, yeah. all I'm paying back is the interest, really. That's, that's all, all that I am yeah. paying, I'm not paying back. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I own like 30 grand, I'm moving to Holland. Which, to be fair, it's, 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 a lot of people laugh about it, but... A lot of people are moving, like a lot of people are moving out of the country to get away but from But they track it out though, you know, you know like... Really? They track it out. Even if you move to a different country? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I thought, don't think I, so. I, 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 really thought, I thought once you get away from the country, I thought they... Never. Like, it, they... It's like, they are going to track But, but coming to, trying to come back into the country then becomes a massive hassle for yourself. Yeah. <clears throat> but I've, I've, I've heard of stories, no one in particular that I know of, I've heard stories of people just getting their tuition fees, like getting their um, degree and just walking off. But I mean, I mean, the mm. government pays that. It used to pay that. I mean, student loans companies are now, right? Yeah. I don't know which company does it now, but, but I mean, that's that's a lot of debt, unpaid debt. So I mean, wouldn't it have a effect later, decades on, later, on, on the national debt. Of the yeah, country. yeah. Mm. Surely it will. Yeah. Surely it will. So, um, Mahmoud, you're an example of somebody uh, of Somali background, um, a success story, as we call it, and. I recently met somebody, maybe about a month ago, a young uh, lad, I think he was maybe 18, 19, who's now studying at uh, Cambridge University. So um, just just talking about, you know, the Sheffield Somali community in general, obviously coming from a Somali background, how do we make use of your talents and, you know, help? Because I, I have a lot of... Um, Parents from from our background, small background, saying, you know, we need homework clubs. How do we help our children who are not achieving the best uh, grades and stuff? So, h- how do you, you know, how can you get yourself and all these other people who are very educated and and help our community in long term because we are struggling in in a way. So, you know, can you elaborate on that a little bit? There, it it, it does. Time plays a massive factor, mm. being able to make the time to do that. Now, there is a homework club that I actually used to work for mm-hmm. that is in Pittsmore at the moment. That's run by Mustafa Jama. Yeah. And it's a brilliant place. A lot yeah. of kids come there. Yeah. And actually, there's two homework clubs, and one of them is on Verdon Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it does come down to having the time to be able to come in and 
help with the teaching. Mm. Now, obviously, their resources are very limited. Yeah. So in terms of teaching science, you can give them all the information, but without them actually seeing anything in terms of like pictures on projectors or stuff like that. It's very difficult. Now, there, are, there have been a lot of parents that have asked me, why don't you come and tutor my son and tutor yeah. my daughter? Yeah. And I have been to a few people to try and help them. Well and truly, sometimes it does come down to time, and it does come. It, it comes down to organization, and you find sometimes that there's just not enough consistency for you to commit to something like that. Yeah. But there's there's so many people out there that are more than willing to help. It just needs to be everyone needs to be able to sit down and work out a plan that everyone can stick to. Yeah. And if you can't find a plan, and if there's any, like there's always there's too much change every single time. That, yeah. And Right now, time is such a valuable thing, and you, if, if you're going to commit to it, you have to commit to it in the, under the right circumstances yeah. so that it's right for the kids. Because, yeah. again, you don't want a different person coming in every time. The kids, mm. there's no continuity in that yeah. whatsoever. Mm. I, I mean, I remember back in the day, there was, um, you know, Dudur, I forgot the, the road. They used to be on top of it, um, uh, uh, um, you know, after school. Um, they used to teach the sciences mm. and maths, and, and everyone used to get Because uh, what they did was they taught us the curriculum. Mm. Um, you know, every, like two, three hours every, every day after school, mm. and we all got A's because because when it comes to like GCSEs, there's only so much they can teach you in it. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, they're very helpful. Yeah. But I mean, a lot of parents are like, you know, um, my t my kid needs extra help, yeah. but then they don't know where to go. So I mean, there's, we need more communication. And, and 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 sometimes sometimes and maybe it's more a personal opinion than anything else. Is a lot of parents they say that they want to do this and do that, but they are not willing to put in the effort for their yeah. kid in the long term. Mm -hmm. So that is bringing your child every single day to the homework club or supporting your child at home, which mm -hmm. is also an issue in school where mm -hmm. giving homework out now is the most difficult thing to do because yeah. you hand in homework, the kids will take it home, mm -hmm. not do anything, not get support from their parents to do it, yeah. and then not hand anything in. But what and the say? same thing in the communities, that is a massive issue where parents are not supporting mm. at all times. and. Yeah. It needs to be constant vigilance, yeah. asking every single day, what have you done in school? What homework have you got? What do you need to do mm. to be better? And you find that a lot of the times is that you are that person in school. Yeah. And even in the homework club, you find that you are that person that has to tell them that when in fact it should be coming from the parents' well, mouth. What, what about example then, you know, a single parent who's got four or five kids and she's trying to juggle everything, you know, mm. her bills mm. and, you know, um, all sorts and trying to juggle her... Um, her children with uh, what's happening at her job or etc and she doesn't have the capability of of, course. of doing what she needs to do for her son and take him to homework clubs you know yeah. it's, it's a lot of stress of course you know and the father's not around and then how do you work around that then isn't that, isn't our duty to go to them and, and sit down with them and, and help them and of advise course. them and mentor their children for them or? of course of course but at the same time then you're right and there are a lot of situations like that mm. where people are a single mother like my own parent where she has to take care of five kids by herself. Yeah. But in a situation like that is, if you do not have the access to homework clubs and you do not have access to other things, is speak to your schools. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you know at least one person in that school that you can talk to, maybe someone from your own ethnic background mm -hmm. or any other ethnic background, period, is speak to the people in school mm -hmm. and make sure that you are on top of it in that sense. Mm -hmm. And you're right. As a community, we can always do better. Mm -hmm. We can always try and get everyone together. But yeah. we are a massive community. Yeah. Like we are such a massive community. Yeah. And and you have to think of it in, in, let's think of like the reality of it is, 
is that you could try and get as many people as you want to come around. Not everyone will mm. come to you. Yeah. And you can't go to everyone's house yeah. and try and help everyone out. And there aren't enough resources to do that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I don't understand why. Uh, look, the Somali grapevine is like national, all right? It's something that happens mm. in like London, Sheffield know about it. So, I mean, why can't we like use that grapevine to make, let people know where they can t- take their kids after school? It's because they're, they're two different types of communication systems. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's, there's gossip and then there's that. <laughs> there's gossip and there's that. I don't know. I mean, a lot of people do know that there are things in place. But again, sometimes you find that kids just themselves don't want to go. Yeah. And rather want to play football outside or go and see their friends. Mm. So, so, I mean, okay. So, I mean, and n- n- this isn't the space either. Not every kid is like the same. You can't say every kid's going to go to university. And, and, no, you know, of course uh, not. Yeah, and it's going to be practical. So, I mean... Like, uh, shouldn't we uh, in the UK encourage more practical? Um, like, I mean, what is it called? Not, not going to university, but... Uh, apprenticeship. Apprenticeship, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, w- would, you, would you recommend that to so- some kid who might not be ac- academically definitely. sufficient? Well, most but, definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah most definitely. Uh, but, like that. but you have to bear in mind that sometimes the parents don't want that. Mm. And they want, they want their child to go to university because they feel that that's the better option yeah. for them to do. Yes. And you're right, sometimes it's not... But it's, it's, it's not our choice to make. Like, for example, my little brother, he went to Freville. And one of the teachers said to my mom and myself on parents' evening, we think we, he would benefit from going to apprenticeship straight after school. Mm-hmm. Like, once he finishes his GCSEs. And I was adamant I was dead against it. Because I felt like, when the teacher said it, I felt like he was holding my little brother back. Yeah, I was like, yeah, well, yeah. yeah, I was like, well, he can go to university if he wants to. Why should he do apprenticeship? And I understand where they're coming from. They see him every day. They see what he can do and can't do. Mm-hmm. But I felt like they were depriving him of the option to go and do further education. So now he's in college. He's doing his BTEC, He's doing sports. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, he could, he could do more. Like, he doesn't need to go to university straight after. Yeah. Like, he can do his apprenticeship after yeah. college if he wants to. Or he can start working yeah. or get, like, the coaching badges and yeah, yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I felt like, you know, as a parent, you feel like when, when someone tells you, your kid is doing apprenticeship. I feel. I felt like oh, it's a step down. Like it's 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 like my child can do better. My little brother can do better than that. Why are you telling me that? Why are you not pushing him to want to do better? As opposed to telling me, my yeah. my little brother has to go to apprenticeship. But there are a lot of people who, who did apprenticeships. Who, there are. Who, yeah, who then became managers and and have no debt and are good jobs. Of course. Yeah. yeah there is. Graduates are exactly. Exactly. It's, exactly. And again, for a lot of people, it's the right route to take. Yeah. But again, yeah, your parents, what, what I was trying to say is that a lot of parents have a massive effect. Yeah. And when someone is telling you, and I can relate to it, so someone telling you, yeah. your son can't do this or your little brother can't do this, yeah. you get a bit defensive of them. And you're, you thinking, do, you do, yeah. you're, you're thinking, well, don't tell me that. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. my little brother yeah. can do a whole lot better than that. <laughs> when in fact, that might just be the best thing for him. Yeah. But you just do not want anyone to tell you that, that your, your son or your little brother cannot go to university. He will fail. So, so mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, I mean, you would disagree with the German model where they get, where they're pivoted from, you know, one route is academic, one is, one is more practical from a young age. It's, the thing is, it, it, it's the way that it's run in Germany. Mm-hmm. And here, apprenticeship, it's, it's like, it, it feels like a lesser thing than it's it not, is. Uh, yeah, of in Germany, it's not seen in, 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 mm-hmm. in Germany, it is, it is seen as an honor to do either one or the other. Exactly. They, they know that it doesn't matter which route you take, yeah. it can get you to the same point. Okay. The only difference is, one is more... Um, one is more educated and one is more practical. Yes. That's the only difference. Okay. But here, the only apprenticeships that people know of are to become hairdressers and plumbers and, yeah. and, and electricians. And when in fact, there are 
business apprenticeships mm. but no one pushes for that yeah. but you have to bear in mind now even apprenticeships are really difficult to get to into, get into. Mm. they are extremely mm. difficult you have to do interviews now wow. to go do apprenticeships yeah. it's, not, yeah? like before. it's, it's not, not like before not like before before you could just get into it. if you really liked something you could just go and they put you into one of the shops and you practice mm -hmm. and you just do hands-on mm. but now there's, there's a lot of people that are doing it now yeah, less you're getting companies like Rolls Royce now and the wow. reason and it's it's the, the main reason the main yeah. reason behind it is money yeah they could pay those kids less than minimum wage exactly wait they can pay them less than minimum wage less than minimum yeah, wage yes. because they're not 18 yes that's disgusting yeah, yeah even even know-how mm -hmm. and i used to work for know-how the um dixon's car phone warehouse mm -hmm. um call center like they do it as well they run a scheme for that mm -hmm. and they'll train the kids up just the same as they train up the older people, these kids can do the same thing as older people, mm -hmm. just get paid five pounds an hour, as that opposed to get paid seven pounds an hour. Well, it's not a scam, it's not a scam. Yeah. It's, it sounds like a scam. It sounds like a scam, it's yeah. A, but this is the reality of the matter yeah. is, is that you can pay kids much, much less and you can train them up and you can keep and them they're once doing they're like done. Like 30, 40 hours or? And they're doing ridiculous amount of hours mm. as well. Yeah. Wow. So I'm, yeah, but I mean that would be like a barrier for people to go in. I mean, if if I hear like I'm gonna do apprenticeship, but I'm not gonna get paid, I'm gonna get paid less than minimum wage. Yeah. Why on earth would I do it? Because it's a better option for you. In the long run, in the long run, I suppose to go to through run, education. Yeah. In the long run, but, you could get paid more. But, but if you're like 16, 17, you're not thinking about the long run. I mean, you have to like the mental. Uh, yeah, but some, some 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 people know from a young age that education yeah. is not for them. Yeah. Some people just know hated education and rather and. It, it seems like you're like, oh, five pounds doesn't seem like a lot. Tell a 16-year-old you're getting paid five pounds an hour, see how they feel about it. You're yeah. a 30 pound a week. Uh, <laughs> that, that, that EMA, yeah. yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's that five pounds an hour is a lot. You're still coming away with like 800 pounds, seven, 600 pounds a month. Yeah. That's yours. As a 16-year-old, that's a, that's a, a lot. As a 16-year-old, a lot of money. Mm. It's once you grow up when you realize that, really, yeah. it's, not, it's yeah. not that much. So, guys, uh, just to wrap up uh, at the end... Um, one, one of the most important questions, actually, we should direct to <laughs> Mahmoud is, where do you see yourself in, say, the next five to ten years? That's, it's, it's an extremely difficult question. <laughs> do you know what? I hate, I hate when they ask that in, in interviews as well. Yeah. Mm. Now, my, my job and my aim is just to become a better teacher every single day mm -hmm. to a point where I can, within my own power, make sure that these kids have a better future for themselves. So within yes. 10, like if you're talking five years, 10 years, I would have wanted to have become one of the best within my own profession. I'm a That's sore true. loser. Mm -hmm. Like I want to be the best. And the way that I can class myself as being the best is if my kids are coming out of school with good grades, regardless of what set they are in, that they're surpassing their own um, mm -hmm their own limits that they've been set. You also want them to be good role models coming out and of school Exactly. Well. And I, yes. you know what? I just want to pass on like all the things that I've been through, all the struggles that I've been through and all the things that I know because I've been through what, what all these kids have been through yeah. in my school. And to just be able to pass it on to them for them to become more mature at a younger age and know the rights from the wrongs. Watch out for the pitfalls that you might find at that young age because kids are vulnerable. Especially mm -hmm. at the age kids are vulnerable, you could convince them very quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's like one of the things that I try to stay away from is, for example, talking politics or talking about religion. Mm -hmm. Is because kids, if something makes sense to them, mm -hmm. whether it's right or wrong, mm -hmm. they will believe that as the truth. Mm -hmm. And that's that's how innocent their minds are. And I just want to make sure that that innocence is not only preserved but 
you can just stretch them, mm. become better persons when they grow up, and yeah. become hopefully become scientists. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that's science that's through that's me. That's like point, love, yeah. love science through me. It's just, to be honest, it's just to become the best that I can be for the kids that I am teaching. So just one, one, one last quick question. Um, so you don't believe that kids should have? You said I stay away from politics. So you don't believe kids should be in like civic lessons? They know they should, they should. But the thing is, is for them to find out the answers on their own, oh, yeah, that, rather that. than rather than to absorb the opinions of the teachers. Exactly. Yeah. And I am not trained. I am not trained mm -hmm. to give my opinion of sensitive matters mm -hmm. to to the kids. And again, kids absorb. Even now, all, like even now, if someone tells me something that makes sense to me, I'm more likely to believe it because it makes sense in my world. world. Yeah. But kids, bias, yeah. yeah. But mm -hmm. kids are are more open to that. Yes. Much, much more open yes. to that, and they will absorb anything that makes sense in their life yeah. and in their bubble. And that's one thing to stay away from, especially in, in today's day and age where mm. there is a lot of bad stuff going on in the world, and the news are just pressing and pushing the whole immigration, the whole racism, the whole divide. Mm. Is the kids see that, and if a teacher comes around and says to them, Well, you know, halal food can't do yeah. that, mm. and then they agree with it, they will automatically grow up with that in their minds, yeah. and then yes. they, yeah. they take that with them for yeah. the rest of their lives, and it's difficult to reverse that when they're like 26, 27, 28, mm. knowing that they've known nothing else their entire lives. Yeah. And, so yeah, and, I try and, and stay away from giving them You're also them finding now, um, young kids now getting younger and younger on social media as well. Like I've, I've got an 11-year-old cousin who's got an iPhone, he's on every app, Instagram, it's I mean, massive. it's just, it's yeah. massive. It's a massive problem. Absolutely massive. It is, it is such a massive problem right now. It's just, so Massive access, but I suppose yeah. that's a conversation for like another time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you very much, Mahmoud Hassan, for joining us today. I hope you guys found this episode informative and interesting in many ways. I mean, I've learned a lot today, yeah. and hopefully, we'll be able to uh, invite you again very most soon. Most definitely, most definitely. And uh, yeah, share your thoughts again. So, guys, yeah, tune in for our uh, next episode. It'll be on, on the 30th of uh, November, and hopefully. Yeah. yeah, and uh, also, once again, you can find us on Facebook, which is Talk Sheffield Podcast, and tweet us on Twitter, at Talk Sheffield. Um, Instagram, we're on Instagram as well, aren't we? Yeah, yeah. Instagram, yeah. Uh, Talk Sheffield. You can find all the pictures and um, different kind of things on there as well. So, yeah, just go on social media, you can find us on there. Yeah, and for any of you young guys, younger Somali guys, I suppose, who really want to go into the teaching profession. I mean, you've got a great role model here for yeah. you, Mahmoud Hassan. <laughs> yeah. You've got any questions for him, hopefully. So, uh, you know. And it's good to see young aspiring teachers, yeah. especially in Sheffield. Yeah, so, yeah. Know, it's, it's good that the teaching profession is mm -hmm. on the right track. Excellent. And, and it's needed as well because there are a lot of kids here now that are looking for a, 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 a yeah. someone to Guidance. look to look yeah. up to. And when you see these Somali kids. And they see how they relate to me and how well they do in my lesson. It just shows that really there is a massive need. There's a massive need for there to be more teachers from our Somali backgrounds yeah. to try and go into it and that profession. Yeah. And honest to God, it is, it is worth it. Like yeah. every second of it, it's worth doing. I'm I'm not doing all this hard work. Yeah. I would have never done it if I didn't feel like teaching was a brilliant profession to go into. Yeah. But I find myself every single day doing the work because I want to. Yeah. And to be fair, because I need to. Not just for myself, but for these kids as well. Yeah, excellent. Fantastic. Yeah, thank you very much, guys. See you next week. Peace. Let's go. That was like a